Fantastic what some guys will do to get attention. It's just really sickening. Sometimes I look at myself and say, Shepard, cut it out. And by the way, I feel a terrible urge tonight. Let me fix this thing here. I'll test one, two, three, four. I'm winding up my mechanical mouse. Just a minute there. Uh, I feel a, a terrible urge tonight. And I know, I know. I have to apologize for that. And that's what I'm doing. This is in the way of an apology. I feel a terrible urge tonight to blow my kazoo. It's really sickening, you know? Grown-up person, can you imagine President Ford blowing a kazoo? No, I, I, I personally can't. I, 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 I just cannot imagine... Uh, Jimmy Carter, you know, picking up a kazoo and blowing it. Oh, I mean, other than philosophically. Now, come on. Come on. When you blow philosophical kazoos, that's called campaigning. Now, stop it. I don't want to get into that stuff. Would you please, her, please? I got to do it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the greatest act ever seen in the history of the Western world is now taking the stage. Notice the pink tights. God, this is exciting. Come on, King, let's go all together. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Oh. Will I make it? Did you see the whole sky lighting up? Oh! Fantastic! Oh! What a fantastic conclusion. Do you know that the guy, as he hit that high note, exploded right there in front of the audience? Feet and toes and arms and everything all over the crowd. What a beautiful sight. Look, you think I'm silly, right? Oh, well, I shouldn't have said that. Now I put something in your mind. <laughs> My old man always said never trust somebody that wears a bow tie, has dark room glasses, and smokes cigars. Would you believe it? I'm working for a guy that does all three of them things. And roller skates to work. Has motor-driven skates. Well, of course, this is New York. We have all everything going. Did you know that they've just brought out motor-driven skates, roller skates? They have little CO2 engines. I'm not kidding. Little CO2 motors. CO2. CO2. And uh, you remember your chemistry, don't you? <laughs> That's stupid. Of course you don't. We have... Uh, CO2 engines, that's uh, carbon, uh, um, uh, carbon uh, CO2. Now, O stands for, uh, 
It's on the tip of my tongue. Now I know what it is. It's a rare element. CO2. And the two on the bottom means you have to put two tablets in this little thing. It's two ta the thing runs out of two tablets. This is what the two stands for. It means two doses. CO2. Oh, wait a minute. I, 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 I'm, very well, I'm very well aware of what uh, CO2 means, so don't call up. I know what it is. It's uh, actually the... Well, I'll tell you. Hard. I, I know. I'm just kidding you. It's actually the uh, chemical formula for common salt. And, uh, yes, you know, salt. You, it always surprises you to find out salt's a chemical. And you put some salt on your, your uh, non-chemical, no-additive... Uh, wheat germ or something and you're putting chemicals right in there right in your poor little old gut and you know your 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 body cannot accept chemicals except you know you have to face one fact you are made of chemicals that's kind of stupid but you are made of chemicals and i remember this picture when i was a kid in the in the physiology book we took physiology do you do, you, do they still take physiology do they take a thing called health one and two I mean, I'm just asking these questions. I don't want an answer, really. They're rhetorical questions. Anybody out there got a phone to uh, tell us, do they take health in school yet? We had health one and two. And if you were a girl, you took one kind of health. If you were a boy, you took another kind of health. I suppose that's all over, too. So everybody takes what's called unihealth. So uh, uh, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> that's not bad, is it? So, uh, ne <laughs> nevertheless, we took this thing called health, see? And, uh, you know, they told you things like, uh, well, you got to clean out the crud from under your fingernails. You know, that kind of thing. You got a lot of crud when you feel the ground balls when I was a kid. And uh, so they, they taught you that. They taught you how to brush your teeth. Now, if you haven't been taught how to brush your teeth, kid, you always do it from side to side. This way. Side to side. Not up and down. No, no. No, no. Up and down is very inefficient. Uh, and it uh, takes a long time if you do it up and down. So if you're going to brush your teeth tomorrow, kid, on an off chance, uh, as a guy who took health, you may not have it in your class, if you possibly may be driven to brush your teeth tomorrow, because after all, what the hell, it's the weekend, you might as well do it anyway, save all that yelling. So... Uh, do it sideways. It's always done sideways. That's the proper way to do it. Now, uh, I assume you're going to have cereal, right? For breakfast, is that what you're going to have? Well, always look for the cereal with the most sugar in it. Uh, if you can get cereal that is not only sugar-coated, but also chocolate-flavored, and, uh, you know, maybe even made in the form of small uh, ABA footballs, that, uh, baseballs, is a, baseballs, I'm sorry. ABA's out of business, of course, but a lot of the cereal's still around, and they signed those contracts. This is the best kind of cereal to have in the morning. And uh, if you can possibly put maybe a pound or a pound and a half of extra sugar on it, maybe a quart and a half of uh, thick, rich, delicious cream on top of that, and uh, that's a good way to start the day. And demand it. Tell, tell your mother you heard it on the radio. Now, since your mother doesn't listen to anything, except uh, she keeps watching era commercials, she doesn't know what a kid should really have for breakfast. You tell her you heard it on the radio, right? Now, for, for lunch, you want to know what they have for lunch? Okay. I'd say eight or nine big, fat, juicy hot dogs. 
Now, uh, what, what, you, what you do when you get those big, fat, juicy hot dogs, you wash them down with maybe two, three gallons of Coke. And tell her that uh, it's better for you now since they put it in a plastic bottle. And say that's far more sanitary, that nobody reuses the plastic bottle, and that's your very own bottle. And so for that reason, when you eat those four or five hot dogs... By the way, if you can learn to eat a hot dog in two bites, that's even better. Two big bites. Uh, I will award a brass figure with bronze oak leaf palm to the kid who can raise his hand and honestly say that he can eat a hot dog in one bite. Any kid can eat them in two bites. But I'm talking about the standard Oscar Mayer type hot dog. One bite. Now, we will give you a bronze oak leaf palm for your brass figligi if you can swallow the hot dog without chewing it once. You will be a kid among kids. And uh, now, we will also award, further than that, we will award a, a beautiful purple special award plume to attach to your, and this is only given in extreme cases, if you can not only eat seven hot dogs, each with one bite, a minimum of a half gallon of Coke, if you can polish it all off with three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, that's a perfect lunch for your walking around kid. And I can't imagine. Then, of course, for dessert, four or five, maybe 15 or 20 Twinkies or Devil Dogs, maybe a Yankee Doodle. And uh, then I want you to go out on the porch and burp. Now, most of you kids know how to do that very well. But if you can get a three or four octave range in your burp. I knew one kid, now wait a minute, don't laugh, that I would tell you that Flick could do a chorus and a half of Semper Fidelis in one long, extended, magically controlled burp. He was the envy of all. And, of course, fame and fortune was his. And uh, in addition to that, uh, all the girls in the neighborhood just used to cling to him. And I remember, well, I never told you about Dolores. Dolores used to cling to Flick's arm and say, burp, and he would do it. She loved to hear it. Other than that, he had nothing else to offer outside of an unbelievably beautiful case. An early Jackson Pollock case of acne. So, you know, every kid has to make the best of what he's got. And uh, I, I uh, and since you've come to this uh, this kid uh, advice corner here, this is advice for kids. Now, how about supper? Well, my advice to you, kid, when you sit down to supper is refuse to eat it. Just look at it. Look kind of mad. At that point, everybody in the family will start to pay attention to you. And if you keep this up long enough, they'll take you to McDonald's. Then you won't have to eat the meatloaf. In fact, I was I was looking. Well, wait a minute. Don't laugh. I was uh, no kid. There's a lot of ways to get around uh, the uh, establishment kid. First of all, they're really secretly afraid that one day you're going to starve to death. When they start fearing that, you got them right by the you know what, right where you want them. So there was a there was a letter to the editor. Uh, you know, one of these doctor columns, and the letter says, "My daughter." Adele refuses to eat and has not eaten since she was six years old. 
and the last thing she ate was a Baby Ruth candy bar, and she will not eat anything, only ice cream. And I am now feeding her four quarts of ice cream a day, and we're getting so sick of ice cream around here, it's all she'll eat. Signed, a disgusted mother who can't stand Tootie Fruity anymore. Well, all right. There's your typical thing. You notice the kid is winning? Now, wouldn't you love to sit down to a, uh, a dinner that uh, was a quart and a half of Breyer's Marshmallow Whip ice cream with chocolate chip uh, and a little mint on the side? Wouldn't you love that, kid? Instead of that damn meatloaf, right? Okay, kid, all you got to do is start getting skinny and look mad every time they serve it. So as you see, this kind of thing you just don't get in your average radio station. Getting real advice, right? And uh, by the way, there's very few things more effective than just suddenly leaping up, screaming, flinging yourself on the ground, and kicking your shoes off. That will get some action around the house. Bum, ba -dum, bum. Now, uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, after all, it's a weekend. The silly season has already begun. Have you heard the... Uh, I, mean, I have to bring this up here. Uh, oh, listen, there's nothing more powerful in this world than a giveaway. Oh, absolutely. Uh, guys will, will almost kill themselves to get a great giveaway. I knew a guy that bought a car. A car. Now, can you imagine a $4,500 car? He bought it because they were given away with it a free folding canoe. I said to him, but you can buy that free folding canoe for like twenty-seven fifty down at Al's free folding canoe place. He said, but it's free. I said, hey, free, you're buying a turkey. And it was the first car I ever saw delivered that had feathers on it. It really was. It had waddles on the front. It was a true turkey. <laughs> in fact, the car had a little decal on the side of a bunch of pilgrims eating one. So, uh, you know, uh, you can buy turkey. <laughs> you like that? Bad humor here tonight. I don't know what's the matter. I mean, gee whiz. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, the giveaway is, is, a, is a real operating thing and have you noticed the people who, who uh, buy at great expense trivia the trivia that they buy and you know the stuff you see they have big trivia uh, uh, conventions here in town now the trivia is almost always giveaways in other words a little orphan Annie Ovaltine shake-up mug that's a giveaway um, a uh, Buck Rogers zap gun you know there was a Buck Rogers zap gun I'll bet you don't know who, who made the Buck Rogers zap gun. There's a piece of trivia for you. Daisy was made by the Daisy Air Rifle Company, and they designed the zap gun. So when you pull the trigger, it went doing. Oh, yeah, listen, my kid brother would run around and drove my father out of his bird. Every five minutes, you'd hear. Kid would say, zap, you're dead. And, uh, you know, they, they take a little bit of that a long way. But the <laughs> so these are things that, that are valuable. People want the giveaway more than they want stuff you can buy. Well, did you hear about the great bear madness? You didn't hear what happened? Oh, wait a minute. This is a terrific story. Oh, the bear madness hit California. The free bear madness. And it's a big story. Yeah, the Times had a story on it. I'm going to re if you if you missed the story, you're going to hear it right now here, courtesy of the Times. I mean, uh, I will read to you the story. Los Angeles, 
just happened a couple of weeks ago. Only now is the full story emerging of the great teddy bear caper at Crocker National Bank. But it carries a message for those who would mix bears, money, children, depositors, tellers, and bank vice presidents. Fantastic uproar. Make a great movie. Yeah, the, the, the giveaway that got out of hand. <laughs> Listen, the heroes of the piece, or villains, depending on how you look at it, were those cute little stuffed animals with bright button eyes and stitched smiles that have been the companions of countless boys and girls. A teddy bear. Now, are you aware of the teddy bear madness that exists in the world? Many people who are no longer kids are not aware that the teddy bear in 1976 remains, for some curious psychological reason as yet unexplained, the number one toy of all. Are we aware of that? Well, why, why, all right, I'll ask you a very interesting trivia question. Why was the teddy bear called the teddy bear? That's correct. It was named after Theodore Roosevelt. So <laughs> you could tell, you know, what period in history the teddy bear became popular. It was during Theodore Roosevelt. Anyway, just before Christmas, this all started Christmas last year, the promotion department at Crocker, which is the nation's 15th largest bank, it's a big bank, it has 358 California branches, came up with this gimmick called Sonny the Bear. Yeah, it was a bear. It was a, you know, it was a great-looking bear. Now, this, <laughs> I have a picture of the bear, and it doesn't look like a, an actual teddy bear. It's a big bear. It's big. It's about, it looks like it's about two and a half or three feet tall, and it has this funny-looking white face, a little like Smokey the Bear. It's a combination of Smokey the, it really hit the jackpot. Listen to this. The deal was that anyone who opened a new checking account with a hundred bucks or more would get a free bear. Now, you wouldn't think that anyone would go to a bank and take up a bank just to get a free bear, you know, teddy bear. But what happened was, and we're going to quote this lady, Angela Boning, who was handling the new accounts in the Palos, in the Palos Verdes branch, she remembers, quote, it started out great, but then problems began to arise. There were the bears sitting on the counters. They were as cute as could be, and everyone wanted one. Customers who already had accounts then started to insist that they should get a bear. One man who had a $50,000 savings account threatened to take his whole deposit out of the bank unless he got a bear. Well, we tried to tell them, well, why don't you just withdraw $100 and open another account? But then they got even madder. Mothers would come in with two or more kids in tow, and you can't just give one bear. Every kid in the family wanted a bear, of course. But it was just, the rule was one account, one bear. No more, no less. So we had to open, sometimes ladies came in and opened five checking accounts. And it just got out of hand. And on top of everything else, then in the middle of it, there was a shortage of bears. Well, they, they began to run out of bears. The bank officials sent down a word that they have to strictly account for each bear. There is going to be no free bears given out of this bank. There is a shortage of bears here in the West Coast, and if we start giving out free teddy bears, this bank will be out of business. 
Well, it got so bad at our branch that we every day, this lady said, every day we had a bear count. <laughs> they stopped counting money. They stopped to count bears to make sure that every bear was accounted for. The tellers had to balance their bear account before they balanced their cash drawers. And finally it got so bad, and we're quoting one of the top guys here, we finally had to appoint one of the assistant managers of the whole banking chain as, quote, our bear man, our vice president in charge of bears. He would count them up every night and then lock them up in the vault. They put all the bears in this great big vault at the end of the evening. He says, as the shortage worsened, as it got bad and worse and worse, various branches tried to wheedle more bears from other banks. You know, they began to find out, listen, Charlie, I'll tell you what. You know, uh, this teller I got working for me that you've been wanting to date? Well, if you can send over seven bears by two o'clock this afternoon, I will have Agnes down at the chock full of nuts. She'll meet you there and have lunch. If you want any more than that, it's going to be at least 30 bears. Well, that's what they were doing. They were calling back and forth. The bear thing got really wild. Finally, Crocker ran out of bears early this year. No more bears. But the people kept coming from all over California by the thousand wanting bears. And then when they didn't get bears, they would get mad, and many of them took their account out of the bank. The bears had gotten out of hand. And I'm quoting one vice president. He says, I remember one woman who marched in with a teddy bear that she had bought at a department store. She said that she bought this $17 bear, a big bear. And she said that her son would have nothing to do with it because it did not look like our sunny bear with the smile on it. And she wanted to trade it in on one of our genuine Crocker sunny bears. But the bears were all gone. She says, I'll take out an account. Here, $50,000. I'll take it out of the other bank. But we had no bears. I don't think there's ever been a bank vice president who's had to face such a problem. I had to tell her, we don't want your money. Your money is not valuable here. Bears are harder to get than money. Well, at that point, a final decision was made at Crocker. We are going to have nothing whatsoever to do with bears in the future ever. And if anyone ever mentions bears within our bank, on Vyron's again, he'll be instantly fired. And still this day, this has been months after Christmas. They're still getting irate complaints from people who didn't get bears. Now, wait a minute now. Just a minute. <laughs> that sounds like a stupid story, you know, the bear thing. But do you know that psychologists have done a lot of work on the curious effect upon people of two toy fictional creatures? The bear and the mouse. Are you aware that bears are the most admired and enjoyed and watched animals in the entire zoo? Nobody knows why. I mean, the giraffes will be doing everything. Have you ever seen a giraffe stand on his head? There have been known cases of giraffes standing on their heads and nobody watching because some damn bear in the next cage is just sitting there picking its teeth. Bears have a great hold on people, especially toy bears.
Right here in this town, there are millions of, I wouldn't say millions, thousands of people, women particularly, who have a toy bear that is in their bedroom. Now, I'm just telling you, I'm raising my hand. There it is. I make not the news. I merely report. No one knows quite why a bear. Nobody has a toy hippopotamus in his bedroom. Maybe a kid has, but briefly he forgets it. But the toy bear is a fantastic lure. And, and the worldwide phenomena of Mickey Mouse is absolutely unparalleled in any other. And there's nothing else like it. That all over the world, no, I'm serious, all over the world, Mickey Mouse has a fantastic lure on people. And, and other guys have come up with all kinds of, you know, other animals like uh, Freddy the Squirrel, nothing. Uh, you know, Al the Porcupine, nothing. Little, uh, little Jackson, the Groundhog, nothing. Mickey the Mouse, boom, boom. It astounded Walt Disney. Walt Disney tapped a hidden mother load of uh, who knows what madness in the human psyche that has yet to peak. You know that they claim that 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 the chief reason that the Walt Disney Parks, uh, Disney World, Disneyland. The chief reason they're unbelievably successful is because everywhere you look, you see toy mice. Toy mice. <laughs> what is it with toy mice with us? Now, I, I, you know, you can get very heavy about this psychological... Uh, definitions and why and uh, motivations and uh, Freudian uh, whistles in the dark. But the fact remains, you can't just imagine somebody threatening to take his $50,000 account out of a bank because they wouldn't give him a bear. Now, if they were giving out, uh, let's say, toy gophers, I doubt whether he would have done that. Why? <laughs> That's a fact. Why bears? The bear has a fantastic lure on us. And, uh, and you know, all over town, have you ever had this feeling, you're, you're, like one day in my bank, see, here's this bank I, I, I've been going through for years, all of a sudden the bank come up with the giveaways, and it turns out you could get a grand piano, you know, and I had all this stuff, and they didn't give me anything. I can't, you know, well, what do you mean, oh, here are, you know, people are coming in there to get the grand piano, and a couple of days later they take the money out of the bank, and, and you know, here I am. But had the bank come up with bears sitting there so cute on this counter looking at me <laughs> what is it with bears no nope, there's an old I know a guy now I'll just tell you how, how, how the lure of the bears are I know a guy who made his entire reputation on that he was an ad man and he was a you know really an unsuccessful ad man he was given this account with this cereal it was they listen they were selling uh, less of this cereal than rusty carpet tacks were selling. There just was no cereal movement, and he got the idea, he's an ad man, of just putting three bears on the package dancing. And overnight, and that's a true story, I'm telling you that, what cereal was it? That's correct. Overnight, that cereal became one of the top sellers of the past 25 years. Just 
putting the bears on the cover of the package. Now, he could have put crocodiles. I mean, he could have put a boa constrictor. He could have put uh, something cute, uh, like a, a pelican. Pelicans are kind of cute. But he put three little dancing bears. Overnight, over the top he went. He's been in orbit ever since. Just that little thing. A bear. What is it about bears? What is it about mice? I'm thinking of bringing out a stuffed cockroach. I mean, for city kids, you know? <laughs> You've been listening to Gene Shepard, humorist, author, and recipient of the Mark Twain Award for 1976.